We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome to Light Years. Andy Lou. That time of year again. Alright, how, how excited are you? Draft week. Um 12 days from free agency. Pure rumor mill time. Bradley Beal got traded. How many Bradley Beal pods have we done over the years? It's finally over. Over under 72 hours of hypothetical Bradley Beal fits. In out, I've I've been completely locked in on Beal and <laughs> Steph and Clay. Then I've been out saying he's the worst player, most overrated player in the league. He's finally gone. We'll talk about that, dude. I'm excited because we're about to find out in like three days what the hell the Warriors are gonna do, uh, whether they trade the pick or not. That's what I'm most excited about. I feel like we've been waiting for this moment um, ever since the season ended. Ever since the season ended, it feels like we've been waiting to find out what the hell the Warriors gonna do and what is. Would you say the biggest offseason in Warriors during this dynasty since forever, ever? Is there been a bigger, more pressurized offseason? I don't know about forever, but Steph's 35. They, um, they tr- they're trending the wrong way. It feels like yeah. this summer is the determination of are they going to compete for the remainder of his prime or are they going to do the Mavs Dirk BS where they, they get him a, they get him a Chandler Parsons, a Monte Ellis shout out where his legend Monte. They, they have uh, and like all, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, they have Monte <laughs> and all that sort team. of stuff. And we're yeah. just lying to ourselves and you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah. you know, we, we got a special guest here to help us break this down, digest it, and generally make sense of everything going on. From the ringer, Kevin O'Connor. KOC, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing great today, guys. How you Mm -hmm. doing? Mm -hmm. Uh, How many hours of Bradley Beal content have you recorded today? (laughs) I've recorded no Bradley Beal content today, uh, but I've done some writing. Uh, for an article on Monday on the Ringer, and yeah, um, I'm sure we'll be recording a lot of Bradley Beal hours this week. And yeah, I mean, I heard you guys saying how you've recorded plenty yourself over the years because he's been involved in trade talks forever. It seems like. I mean, he was reaching Miles Turner status for me, where it was like, you know, oh, is it? He could be moved, maybe move, but 
it never happened. So it's kind of weird to see it happen that quick. And I guess like my high level question for you is, does it feel like this is a precursor for players being moved at lower prices, like a market reset? I mean, we all know the contract, but like it, it we can be honest with you, little surprised how little he got moved for. Yeah, I mean, I think I I think no because Bradley Beal had the no trade clause, and like Windhorse said last week on ESPN, he was able to steer where he wanted to go, and he could essentially choose what he's traded for. That was true, and I mean, like I understand why certain people believe like maybe the Warriors could have created some leverage here. Maybe they could have went the Aaron Rodgers path and dragged this out into August and September and tried to get you know, a future first out of it. But I, I think for Washington, they wanted to get some expiring expiring salaries in the deal. They did not want DeAndre Ayton in it. That would conceivably mean they also didn't want Tyler Hero in it. Um, you know, if the, with whatever Miami was offering or Duncan Robinson, whatever that deal was on that side. So I think for the Wizards, they got what they wanted, which was clarity ahead of the draft. Now they can go into, you know, Thursday night, knowing what, what direction they're going to go into next offseason, what they want to be, who else they want to move? Chris Tapps, Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma. I would think those guys are gone too. If those guys aren't gone, and that's I'd be confused with what's Ooh. actually going on there, though. <laughs> um, but I, I think all those guys are probably going to go, and they're just going to stink. Okay, let's so. let's hold off. Let's hold off on the KP and Kuz, Sam. We're going to talk about that in a second. But you talked about you implied that they didn't want any exp- uh, non-expiring contracts. So. So Jordan Poole probably wasn't going to be. I don't. The Warriors wouldn't have done it anyway. It sounds like, but that's probably not a player that they'd be interested in. In any, yeah, I, okay. I would think so. I mean, last week I hit her. They don't want Aiton. Um, I think like I remember like at, well, who was it that reported at first? Woj said something like they can offer Aiton and Shamit, but the deal would be more likely to be Paul and Shamit. And I asked around about that, like why is this being reported this way? And they said the Wizards just don't want long term money. Mm-hmm. And so that would eliminate pool hero, whoever else might've been, you know, offered in a deal for, for, you know, Bradley Beal at best. So I think they got what they wanted, which was expirings and a clean slate moving forward. Do you, do you get a sense that's like uh, a consistent theme around the league? Like, I, I just don't know what to make of the new CBA. Like, obviously it's very punitive when you get higher up. I'm trying to figure out if that means teams are going to be super conservative with taking on money in general. So like, you know, Andy brought up Jordan Poole. I mean, it's market rate for a player like him, but if you don't value a player like him, it's it's a lot of money to take on, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's all the, the same side of the conversation, you know, in the sense of paying Bradley Beal, right? A different caliber right. of player. He's averaged 30 points per game twice in a row, you know, before he got that big deal. He's been a former all-star, like unlike Jordan Poole. But pull a young talented player making you know a lot of money for you know not proving a lot over the course of time i'm thinking about that in the sense of guys of the pool tier but also of the all-star tier like jalen brown like the celtics logically they're it seems like they're gonna pay jalen brown a five-year supermax contract and a year from now they could theoretically trade him but what if the market is so low for players not only with the no trade like bradley beal but just having that big money contract that they're not living up to, whether it's Jordan Poole around thirty million, or Jalen Brown forty plus million, or Bradley Beal fifty plus million dollars, I mean, like I don't know, like maybe these types of deals become albatrosses a lot sooner than people 
anticipate since wow. it, you know, really takes such a large chunk of your salary cap room. Um, so I think for all those teams, maybe lo- value is lower than we might have anticipated. And I was going to go draft, but I kind of want to go on this a little longer. So it's like, okay, let's, let's talk about potential trade targets. Um, drafts coming up. We don't know what the Warriors are going to do per se, other than it's been reported they've been very aggressive conversationally, which is atypical under Bob Myers. Maybe you know, Dunleavy, much more of a talker, I guess. <laughs> but um, so, so, like, players we know have been rumored forever. Pascal Siakam, he falls into that category of what you're talking about. You like him at a certain price. You're like, I don't know if I like him that much, right? Porzingis, I like him. If, at, a, at a max, I don't like him that much, right? Like those type of guys. Does it lead to those guys having kind of a suppressed market? Is that kind of the way you're reading everything, or is it still way too unknown? Um, I mean, I think for a guy like Porzingis, just to you know, kind of go off of him and Siakam. Siakam, you know, he has two years left on his deal. The concern for teams that are receiving him are: is he going to want to stay here? For Kristaps Porzingis. He's $36 million if he opts into his contract with the Wizards. So it's an expiring deal for a guy who's been injured a ton in the past. Maybe you don't want that long-term contract. So I think with those two types of guys, it's a different type of conversation. With KP, I'm actually... I have a thing in my article tomorrow on The Ringer about (laughs) about how high I am on Porzingis as a trade target for teams. Because last year, I thought he was better than he's ever been before. I mean, he was shooting at 39% from three. You know, blocking and protecting the rim still at, at a pretty good level. He he was finally super efficient on post ups. He was great attacking closeouts off the dribble. I thought it was the most complete version of Kristaps Porzingis that we have ever seen in his entire career. So I, I think he could be you know a one year gamble you know target for a Warriors if they wanted to add size or the Heat to have you know of some size in the front court next to Bam Adebayo. The Celtics are looking for another guy in that front court rotation. So I think a lot of contending teams should be going after somebody like him. And on a one-year contract, I'm sure it'd be a, a lower a lower cost than, you know, a four-year max guy who's got good value. Like Brad, like Damian Lillard is going to go for a ton, uh, despite how much money he makes. Because, like, that's the one thing you, you, you know about the Warriors. Like, they don't really want to be giving out picks in the future, right or wrong. They're not doing that unless they're getting like Giannis or something, just because like Steph's 35 and you start doing the math, you give out a pick when he's 38, 39 years old, you might be giving someone the fifth overall pick, right? Like some, something in that scenario. So I'm looking at players who I don't want to say buy low, but like, that's kind of been the MO of the Warriors over the years, right? Andrew Wiggins, the ultimate buy low, you know, you want to go back to 2013, Andrew Bogut was injured at the time. They acquired him. Obviously, he was a valuable piece. Like those feel like more realistic trade targets for this team than like blowing their load for like and they don't need a point guard, but like Damian Lillard giving up eight picks. For sure. No, I th- I think that's on point. And I mean, like with KP, like do you bring him up because he's is he somebody Warriors fans kind of and have interest in as a buy low? He, he's, a uh, he's a interesting one because they need someone that can play next to Draymond against it. Like we just watched what they did against the Lakers. It was pretty pathetic on offense. And I, I, I know that the Lakers were really good through the second half of the season, but you watch that series and you can't tell me that the Lakers are that much better of a team than the Warriors. And they outplayed them for the majority of that series, mostly because that Draymond Looney lineup doesn't work. 
and and Porzingis is the stretch five that you can put. He's like this roided out version of Otto Porter, who worked out for the Warriors <laughs> season before. But I mean, like you said, he shot better than he did. He played a bunch of games. Played a bunch of games, which is kind of rare for and him. You have to guard him. Yeah, sixty-five <laughs> games, most since his second year in the league. If the yeah, which is crazy, which is which yeah. is another thing in itself. Um, and then the and then the last thing is he is seven two. Can the Warriors bring out enough rebounding, enough rim protection out of Porzingis now that he's in his late twenties versus in his early twenties? Kind of like what Sam said with Wiggins. When you get into your prime, mid to late twenties, is Porzingis ready to just make winning plays rather than you got a bunch of Warriors? I keep bringing up Paul. They've I mean, you can maybe attest to this. They're looking at trading off Kaminga. And some of those reasons are those guys just don't really care about winning. Not at least not the way that the Warriors do at the at the end of this Steph era. They more care about themselves. And maybe Porzingis is at the age in his career where he cares more about winning. I think he is. I, I really do. I mean, I think with him, like the health, like he had some amazing stretches for the Mavericks. Uh, like that end of his first season before he got hurt, like he was amazing. And then injuries add up, and he keeps getting hurt. Last year for the Wizards, granted they're not a winning team, I felt like KP was just really good. And I think if a team like the Warriors or the Celtics or the Heat, somebody like that were to land KP, obviously health is always going to be a question for a guy like that. But I love your comp, Andy, kind of like a roided out Otto Porter. I mean, he played that type of role for the Warriors on offense, catch and shoot threes, attack closeouts. You know, he would bring a little bit more attacking mismatches, posting up some as well. And defensively, he's a different type of player, but like he could protect the rim at such a high level. I don't know. I'd be, I'd be very intrigued. It's just, again, that comes down to the Wizards. If he opts in, would they want pool um, on that long-term deal or right. would it require a three-way? And then that suddenly gets more and more complicated if you're roping in another team. Um, but I like the idea of it. I'd be super intrigued to see that type of size on the Warriors. All things Warriors free agency um, come back to Draymond Green. We, we got the report that he's going to opt out. Um, I kind of think everyone always assumed like he's either opting out or getting an extension, but he's not hitting free agency with nothing on the table type of thing. Where are you at with that? Like, I, I can't tell how concerned I should be from Warriors perspective that he's going to leave because uh, just leverage who really want, like he's a very specific fit and the teams who want him, like I could see the Celtics liking him. They don't have cap space. Like, so, you know, there's not a lot of teams out there that can, He's just a very specific fit. That's, I'll leave it at that. So I haven't heard anything about like where he'll go, what will happen. I'm still intrigued by like Bill Simmons back in March saying he he's going to go to Dallas, and you kind of hear like <laughs> little hints of that in recent weeks about how that's actually a possibility. But I haven't, I personally haven't heard anything about that. Um, I would expect him to go back to the Warriors. I don't know what the dollar amount will be. Uh, what the length of the contract will be. I don't know how much the Warriors will haggle for him. I'm sure, you know, it's only June 18th right now. We'll hear more in the coming weeks as free agency, you know, kind of comes closer. But I don't know, man. Like like you said, a lot of the teams that make sense for Draymond are not teams that have cap space. The thing is, for the Warriors side of things, maybe it's beneficial that the teams that would want Draymond don't have cap space because then you can do sign and trades. And that opens up a whole new set of possibilities to get a return for him. But like sign and trades never usually, you know, bring back anything significant. It's like when the Sixers lost Jimmy Butler, they get back Josh Richardson. You know, it's just like it's I, not I like really you're guaranteed to get a lot. 
Yeah, <laughs> you don't want Josh Richardson. Maybe you get Chris Tapps Porzingis back. <laughs> my my read is uh, because Draymond has kind of a you know like he's a he's not a rebuilding teams player. <laughs> What's up, boss? Not at all. Uh, I was gonna say my read is I think it's gonna get super noisy. <laughs> Because he wants to, uh, he wants to get his contract. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, it's going to be a lot of bark, but maybe it won't actually be as contentious as people. Oh, think. you think it'll be a lot of like the Andre Godala, um negotiations? Where Andre- they're not like the kind of the same type of player, where like Andre is doing tours in Sacramento, lying about how much he loves Midtown. Uh, <laughs> that was for those that don't, I mean, listeners know, but that was an insane negotiation where Andre essentially took Bob Myers to the finish line and made it seem like he was going to sign with Sacramento and then made the Warriors what give him a partial third year that was 17 mil, which the Warriors had to give away a first round pick protected to Memphis to get rid of that contract. Um, and I think that pick is coming up due here in the next year or so. Oh, that, that's the one coming that's up nice in 24, that's, right? That's yeah. the one coming up that they <laughs> have to. <laughs> so if they tank, you know, if this, you know, God forbid, knock on wood, you know, Steph breaks his hand again like he did in 2020, you know, the Warriors tank, they're screwed, right? So that was the uh, that was the negotiation with Andre yeah, the last right. time. And that, that. <laughs> so I, I oh, yeah. assume. Top four protected, I see. So I feel like the Warriors get, you know, steps out and it's the seven best odds. Yeah, I feel <laughs> pretty confident they're not going to do a soft tank because <laughs> of that. So <laughs> insane. Just anyway, that was that. That's kind of. And, and to Draymond's point, I mean, the, the biggest contract he's ever even got in his career was was not close to it. It, it is. Uh-huh. You know, not the not this one coming up. I don't think. Like, I don't think he's going to get more than you know eighty million dollars. But the last one that he was on, right, the one that he's on right now is a, what a hundred million. Like, is is the most like, twenty five, yeah. twenty five per. And you know, Jordan Poole, you know, the guy he knocked out. You know, he's going to make one hundred thirty in the next four years. So it's like, what if what if he gets I mean, offered the max in a sign and trade scenario though? Like, what if the Mavs say we'll give you the max? You know, if you do a sign and trade with the Warriors, we'll give you the max. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pulling up Maxi Cleaver's advanced metrics, being like, "Yeah, he's better than you think, guys. He's better than you think." No. Dray- Draymond, by the way, playing with Kyrie and Luca. Oh, uh, God. By the way, it just I I would pay to watch it. I mean, he might lose his mind even earlier than just punching someone in in training camp. Oh man! Oh man! I I, I know exactly how that'll go. Just lying about how like you know. I, I can do all the same things I did with Steph with Kyrie. Uh, and then, you know, and then Kyrie goes to Burning Man. He doesn't see him for two months. And, you know, Luca's uh, yelling at him to move. Oh, yeah. It's chasing What a disaster. Let's, let's, let's see how that one plays. I would love to watch it. I'd love to watch it. Even though I want to see him go back to the Warriors, preferably to continue the dynasty and all that and try to get back. But, um, yeah, that Dallas situation would be absolutely hilarious do you have any initial reads on on mike dunleavy i know i know it's like look man, he was named the gm 72 hours ago uh and nothing's actually happened um but he's been around he talks to a lot of people he's he's tall there's, there's no denying he's tall um <laughs> great I, hair I, I great I, hair I just great hair i, I can't I just can't tell if this is just going to be business as usual for the Warriors or it's actually going to like result in some sort of difference. Because I can see it being kind of like uh, when Stevens took over for Ainge, there wasn't like a philosophical difference. Like they didn't like change the basketball they valued, but it was like a little more assertive and aggressive with the moves they made. Uh, or I could see it being exactly the same. 
and nothing changing and us talking about a 19-year-old rookie and lying to ourselves. <laughs> Could be a lot of that, depending on what happens yeah. on Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. Or just one player you're lying to yourself about it <laughs> if they don't trade down. But I think with Dunleavy, I haven't heard much about him personality-wise with how he kind of operates in that front office. And that seems to be the big thing with Bob Myers. Um, like over the years, you hear stories and read stories that, you know, people work on about, you know, how he how he interacts with, you know, front office, with ownership, how he works with players to deal with egos and all that. He's a great personality manager. How will Mike D- Dunleavy work with that? He's a former player of many years. He's been in different types of locker rooms now in front offices. I don't know. It seems like Bob Myers kind of had a magic touch with the way he operated within the Warriors front office. And you say that, and yet there's been plenty of drama over the years too. Um, is that because Bob Myers uh, kind of let things be too loose or or it, did he let things not go too far? You can look at that from either perspective. It may have not made any difference with who was that in position, but at the end of the day, he has screwed up a lot of recent draft picks. Um, they have not hit on a lot of the late first, second round picks that they needed to to be in a better position now. They whiffed on the second pick with James Wiseman. They whiffed on choosing Jonathan Kamingo over Franz Wagner. Those are the things we can look at and say, hey, you know, Bob Myers might be this amazing guy who can deal with personalities and help navigate a team when the leader punches a young player on the team. But at the end of the day, he screwed up some draft picks and maybe Dunleavy will be better in that category, which is ultimately what matters more than anything else. I wonder if he's also more – I mean, Sam kind of touched on this earlier. It doesn't feel like if Bob Myers were the GM that they really go out and make a crazy trade unless it was for – I don't even – honestly, I don't even know LeBron. <laughs> like, I don't even know. <laughs> like, they, they might do that. I know you You know he wrote that up uh, early in the <laughs> – I mean, hey, he, I mean, like if he were to leave, it'd be, where would it be, right? I mean, I agree. I was like, oh, I could see that. I could. It would not surprise me. And it, it feels like Bob Myers like w- would be in all in on that. Um, but of these lesser guys, uh, of these like Kristaps Porzingis types and Siakam's on the market, we'll see what Masai Jiri does. OG Ananobi and Bradley. Be- like, doesn't OG, it feel like- OG is the new Miles Turner? By the way, just the everyone thinks they're he's getting never getting moved. Trip. He's no. never getting moved. Like, I'm four unprotected first and six pick swaps. <laughs> For OG Ananobi, he's never getting moved. It's ridiculous, honestly. It's absurd. But do you think like Mike Dunleavy's more so open to saying, hey, let, let's go grab kind of these second or third tier trade targets versus the home run swing? Because it always felt like Bob Myers was more in on the home run swings rather than anything else. I think so. I mean, I think it's only natural for the new guy to want to build the team his own way and not just, you know, run it back over and over again. And maybe that also applies to the top of the roster too with Draymond and Clay. Maybe at some point Dunleavy wants to shake that up after at least one one more year of, you know, them hoping to run it back. But I I, I think I think he's gonna want to build this out his own way. Um I wonder how much that means philosophically with the system. With Steve Kerr, I don't know how long Steve Kerr will want to stay around now that Bob Myers is gone either. That's another that's another kind of you know storyline to monitor in the years to come with Golden State because Kerr and Myers were super close. Um, so I think like these types of things, I wonder how Dunleavy will want to build out the system. Uh, like what does he believe in basketball philosophy wise? Is he the type of guy like many Warriors fans who say run more pick and roll with Steph? Like, what are they waiting for? Like, like why, why draft James Wiseman if you're not going to do this? And then they do it in the postseason, and Steph has, like, all-time nights. So I wonder where Dunleavy falls on that side of the debate, more with Warriors fans or with Steve Kerr, who thinks, you know, running pick-and-roll makes you the devil. So 
I, 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 I would expect change. I would. This week's Light Years podcast is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you can get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. I just got some pairs and let me tell you, little skeptical, tried them on a hundred times better than I could have ever imagined. Just the like, I will be wearing nothing else all summer. Unbelievable. Sam is Fendiari, Bird Dogs. So, where can you get it? Go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter promo code pool, P O O L, for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash pool, P O O L, for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Let's let's pivot to some draft stuff real quick, and it's all intertwined, so it doesn't matter. But you mentioned Jonathan Kuminga. Can you confirm Jonathan Kuminga is seven foot two? As Andre Godala just tweeted, <laughs> um, I, I love that. My my favorite free agency or sorry off season thing is players who've grown, uh, and apparently Jonathan Kuminga's grown, and Andre Godala is now trolling Warrior fans saying he's seven foot two. I can confirm he's actually seven foot five. He's Wemby height at this point, <laughs> not not seven two. What a good meme, though. I mean, it feels like everybody's doing this about their own players right now on Twitter. It's a good bit. It is. A, it is. It is a good bit. Um, you well, buy it with Shengun, the original classic Andre. Just classic <laughs> Andre. Shengun. By the way, Shengun screams Steve Kerr. Am I wrong? No. Oh yeah. yeah. Put him in some it's, dribble handoff actions. Just a bunch of like eight to ten assist games. Next thing you know, we're you know, turn on post game and they're like, actually, he's better than Jokic was at his age. And, Baby Joker. Know, and, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Baby exactly. Joker. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but it's like, but I mean, I know you're kind of saying it for fun, but um, I, I the difference between guys like Sabonis and then Shenkun, I think, versus Joker is pretty. It's pretty vascous, and it's like it's a, it just just because you can pass a little bit and have a couple post moves doesn't make you the best second best or second best offensive player in the world like that, Joker is with Steph. Right? It just is, it's a very that, large difference. Isn't that the like Steph versus like white. Dame Tra- versus Dame Trey debate where people are like, oh, he can pull from thirty just like Steph? You're like, well, you know, he can, but <laughs> there's just like that little five percent difference is the difference between all time and pretty good you know yeah so i mean that's um, kind of like where some bonuses with anyway the kings have their own <laughs> maybe they'll go get og maybe they'll go get uh OG. maybe they will maybe they'll throw 18 picks and get him yeah. um okay i actually right. do want to get to the draft i want uh koc's opinion on this so our friends over at dub nation hq threw up a poll for who people would want at 19 assumption you know they're not trading up they're not trading down they're actually picking at 19 and the number one most voted player was oh Derek Lively. Ah, Lively. Huh. And from a fan perspective, I get it. This fan base has a fetish for seven footers because they've never had one. I mean, I, I literally feel like they spoke Wiseman into existence for the draft pick, but it's like, you watch the Warriors, Steph, Clay, shooting, 
never having big men who can do anything. So it's always like the allure that you're going to do it. So I get that. But with that said, it's been reported that the Warriors have interest in Lively as they do with every player in that range. Um, do you like him for the Warriors? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think he makes a lot more sense, you know, talent-wise than James Wiseman did because with Wiseman, it was oh more like God. a bet. Can we bring in this raw player with no feel at all and no intelligence on the court and bring him to the Warrior system and fix all that? Well, no, it didn't work. Lively at least has some feel. Uh, like he had some passing ability out of short rolls that I would be very intrigued with. I think he could run him in dribble handoff actions and he can at least make the proper decision. Uh, so I feel better about him as like a seven foot bet for the Warriors than I ever did with James Wiseman. Wiseman was just all theoretical. I'd also be curious, like whether it's at 19 or in a trade down, I think they would have to take him at 19. Noah Clowney out of Alabama. Uh, with him, he's like super steady as a defender. He's versatile. He can switch. He can protect the rim. He's a tough rebounder. A three, he shot like a 40% stretch, you know, in the middle of the season for Alabama this year. And then he had like some streaks where he shot like 15%. So it evened out at like 28% from three this year. But Clowney can roll hard. He's a, he can make the right decision on the floor. I just think he would really fit what the Warriors do offensively with their versatile scheme in the half court more so than Lively, where Lively might be higher upside. But Clowney has upside in his own right, and he could help right now as a, as a young player next to Looney or next to Draymond or as the lone big on the floor. Warriors draft a big man. I'll lose it. I'm going to lose it. Let's, let's, we don't let's, want to big at all. No big. Dude, dude I'm going to. Steve Kerr is not playing a one and done big. I'm, I'm gonna no no shot. I'm gonna explain someone to you. I'm gonna explain someone to you, KOC, and then you give me maybe like one or two names that may okay. be in that area. Um, Sam knows what I'm going to explain. Okay, it's gonna be like a six six to six seven and a half wing. He's got you know like a six ten wingspan, maybe a seven feet wingspan. Um, not too not like super athletic, but super smart on defense, right? Like he'll take a bunch of charges. He'll be in the right passing lanes on offense. He can dribble the ball a little bit. Definitely makes the right pass. Can't really shoot. Can't really shoot. Maybe like a 31% <laughs> three-point shooter, right? Not, not a great shooter, but maybe you can kind of teach him. Maybe just, you'll get him to 34, right? Just say you want Jaime Hawkins already. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I ask, I ask this. I throw this because I think that's a player that the Warriors – like that. that's a Warriors type of player. It feels like someone that if they're going to course correct and not draft any more projects and guys that are ready to play actual winning basketball – um, that's someone that they the Warriors would like. And at 19, you know, you're, you're less inclined to take like a Kaminga, right? Because Kaminga, they had to take at seven, they felt, because he, they thought he was too talented and he still might be. Instead of taking Wagner, who you feel like maybe is less upside. And now you're kind of sitting here like, what the fuck? So who is that player <laughs> at 19 if they were sitting there? Is, is there a guy like that? I feel like there's a bunch, if you're, especially well, I, late in the first. I think with Hakez, he he'd be the guy more so if you trade down. I mean, you could take him in nineteen and just say, "Hey, he's our guy. Deal with it." Even though he maybe could have gotten him in a trade down with Charlotte at twenty seven or with Indiana at twenty nine. Um, but I like Hakez a lot. He's definitely a Warriors guy at nineteen. Uh, I think about Colby Jones out of Xavier. He's a junior upperclassman. I think Steve Kerr maybe would at least consider playing him as a rookie despite his issues with playing young players. So I, I like with him, it's a lot of the qualities you talked about where he has that handling ability. He has intelligence. He can make the right play on the floor. He's a solid shooter from three on a lower volume, you know, tough, 
hard-nosed defender, like constantly hustles. That dude is like always, you know, getting it. Like he got hit in the face a bunch of times this season for Xavier just because he's always in the action, always putting himself out there, willing to dive for loose balls, all that type of scrappy stuff that I think Kerr would appreciate in, in a young player. And he just makes sense for their roster with the way he plays and the way they play. But I, like even then, I don't know. Like My preference for the Warriors isn't to stay at 19. I, I'd love to see them trade down. I think the value in this draft at 19 is not that much different in the late 20s, like the Colby Jones types, the Jame Jaquez types, guys like that could be available uh, with those Pacers picks or those Hornets picks if they were to trade down for multiple first and early second round picks. Even though they're they're rookies and even though the Warriors could theoretically be going a path where they're not, you know, investing in young players, I also think that like investing in in upperclassmen is a little different. And that just means having quality talent on rookie deals. They've done that in the past, and I, I do think like Jacob they, Evans they need not to, been moved yeah, him. He doesn't. <laughs> doesn't move you. No. I no. mean, don't have seven guys on rookie deals, but also like the guys you have on rookie deals hit on them. Like that's the that's kind of the, the bigger thing. Like I feel like the war, Warrior fans are kind of a little like paranoid that like, Oh, they're going to take someone and Steve's not going to play him. And I keep sitting here going like, if he can play, Steve Kerr will play him. You know, like it yeah. comes back to that. So it's like, maybe just do a better job drafting and like actually consider fit more so than you would for other teams. So you mentioned a couple guys there in your, in your mock, you have your, your most recent mock, you have them taking, um, our guy from Santa Clara, Brandon, Podzmensky, I can never pronounce this last. Oh name, so. no! What is that? Oh no! What is that? I, he he can play. What is that I like name? him. Oh, you, you're, not a, you're not a fan of the pick, Andy. I don't watch. I don't watch any. Uh, and, uh, okay. So say this is a bit for me. That we, we, I don't watch any college or any <laughs> anything. So, I like my WCC. Like I actually have watched him. Um, I don't know if I want the Warriors to take him, but I he was very much worth watching in college. I'll put it that way. I just realized, you know, I didn't realize this when I did the uh, the mock draft, but in my comparisons, I have Dante G- DiVincenzo and D'Angelo Russell blended. <laughs> Two former That's, Warriors. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, legends. Yeah. I do, I do feel very confident that guy's going to be in the NBA for like a decade, which like yeah. for the 19th, 20th pick, like, that's a double, you know, like that's a crazy blend though. That's a, the cross racial blend is killing me there. So you've got the herky jerky <laughs> kind of lefty and then you've got the, the solid, really good role play. Wow. That is. A- yeah. I, I think he's good. I, I, Sam's right. He's going to be in the league a long time and, and, and like, I'm not sure where he's going to land, but, but my, my feel from the people I've talked to around the league is he goes top 20 ish top 22, 23, something like that. I, I'd be surprised if he were to fall any further than that. So he's the type of guy where he's only 20 years old and maybe he, like Steve Kerr wouldn't play him a lot as a rookie, but I think he's the type of guy who would play pretty soon just because of his high IQ, good decision maker. Uh, I'd be surprised. So it's, it's really a matter of can he survive defensively and maybe he's the type of guy you wouldn't want to invest in. Um, so I don't know. I, I just, I just can't I, like the guys that make sense for the Warriors are trade down guys. They're not guys okay. at 19. That, that's kind of where guys I at 27, right? Or they yeah. trade up. Or yeah. they trade up. Maybe trade they? up. Yeah, that's the other side of it. Yeah. Kamingo plus 19. Kamingo. What does that you? Something like Theoretically. That. Uh, I don't know, like, like ahead of them. Like who would want Kamingo? Miami, no. Lakers, no. Utah at 16, maybe. I really hope you're not trading Kamingo to move up two spots. <laughs> no. Uh, see, I don't think so either. <laughs> New Orleans. Top, top 10. Four, 
four, how about 13 Toronto? But, uh, but Toronto, but Toronto, there's always rumor, also rumors about them trying to get into the top three. So I, I don't know about them either. OKC at 12. I don't think so. They'll probably take Kula Bali at 12 or they'll move up Orlando at 11. Maybe that could make sense for them. Because they could still get a shooter at nineteen, and they, can get, and they can get Jordan Poole too. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Yeah, something like that. Maybe eleven with Orlando. That's that's the one that makes the most sense. But is there? It's kind of nasty. Is there anyone? Is there anyone in that like uh, let's call it eight to twelve range? Um, probably more twelve. That you think the Warriors would really value? That like could actually contribute mm. to them. In the short term, because it, it has been rumored, and uh, Gavoni's not, you know, unsourced. So when he says they're looking to move up, like there has to be someone who's catching their eye. So I think a couple guys, uh, Anthony Black out of Arkansas, um, like he's a classic Steve Kerr type of guy. You could plug him in the Sean Livingston or Andre Iguodala style role, versatile, tough defender, good connector on offense. He doesn't need to be a primary for the Warriors. Like he'd be super sweet for that team. Kobe Bufkin out of Michigan. He's like kind of the, the alter ego, the good brother of Jordan Poole, another former Michigan player where Bufkin's the, the try hard on defense, the hustler, the ball mover, the good passer and the scorer. It's just, he's only six foot four. Oh. So he's on the, on the smaller side, but he has like a long six, eight, six, nine wingspan. Bufkin. I like a lot. Uh, I, I, I'm going to have Bufkin in my top 10 big board Ooh. when an update sometime this week. I just keep getting higher and higher and higher on him the more I rewatch his stuff. But um, I think shades those, of, those shades two. Shades of Maxi and Emmanuel quickly. Okay. Yeah, I, see, I, I, I might have this. to. I might have to change that one too for for him. But those two come to mind first off um, for wing wing types. How about Taylor Hendricks? Have you guys watched him at all? I know he's a little bit out of range, but Taylor Hendricks. He's a freshman forward out of UCF. Six eight seven one wingspan, versatile Ted defender. But for the Warriors, you know, hits threes at near forty percent. He can. He played center in high school. Solid finisher around the basket. He's a good cutter, good mover without the ball. Versatile defender. He'd be another guy that I'd target if the Warriors were to theoretically move up to eleven. Because I think he could play with Draymond, with Looney, whether he's playing the three or as a four in those lineups. I, I think the the flexibility that he could provide next to them would be significant. Whereas the guards, I'd lean towards him over a a, a black or a buffkin type of player if they were to move up to 11ish. I just I just need IQ and this honestly isn't even just a Steve Kerr thing. Kerr Kerr's willing to, you know, be the bad cop, but it's pretty clear Steph and Draymond don't want to play with dudes who don't understand <laughs> basic spacing, you know? Um I went to a game uh last year and it it stuck in my mind sitting pretty close watching Steph just yell and point at Kuminga to cut and move the whole time where he's just like, yeah, I mean, Steph moves and everything's kind of intuitive with him. And it's just like, they're not playing at his mental speed. And like, we, we all, we all know the Warriors are are big on movement and IQ, but it's just like, it, it does feel like the veterans on this team are kind of at their wits end with guys who don't understand basic concepts of, you know, Hey, if I pass the ball and I cut through the lane, you better move to the wing and not stand in the corner as I'm guarding there type of stuff. Why do you want to keep coming then? <laughs> I didn't say I wanted to. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm open. I'm open 
I'm open to yeah. everything at this point. I, I mean, in that case, it's just like you've been through two years of the bad times. So let's see if he can finally figure it because out. Because he's better than Wiseman, okay? That's, it's the bar <laughs> well, is very <laughs> low out here in the Bay Area. Okay? Uh, better than Wiseman. I mean, and also, I mean, I mean, just like I just I realized I just said that, but I'm kind of joking. He is he has shown good stuff on defense. Yeah. He's had been really good moments on defense. He, you know, granted it's a small, small sample size. He shot 37% from three last year. I mean, there's some positive indicators for him, even if the feel's not quite as there as much. This week's Light Years podcast brought to you by Game Time. Last month, Sam, I was in New York and I wanted to catch my first ever Yankee Stadium game. Went to it last second. The app that I used to buy the tickets was Game Time because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you will have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, all the above. The Game Time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, Game Time will actually credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without distress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use Light Years L Y G H T Y E R S for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account and redeem code Light Years for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Is he in this draft? Where would he go? Is he better than the Thompson Twins? Yeah. Huh. No, I don't think he's better than the Thompson Twins. Like their playmaking f- feel just kind of sets them on another level. Uh, on my board, personally, um, I'm pulling it open right now just to glance at it. Kaminga, 21 years old this coming season. So he's older. I- I'd have him maybe mid first, you oh, wow. know, like 16, 17, oh, wow. 18. Maybe, what, about, maybe. What, about, what about one and done out of the Ignite Kaminga? Where you're projecting upside, mm, like I, I guess like, the yeah, yeah, so yeah. so you know prospect ranking. Where does he rank? Like, is he a better than a Cam Whitmore? I think. I think. Wallace? I mean, no, no I don't Walker, think so. I, I'd have I'd have him kind of around the same spot as like a Bilal Kulabali, the player Victor Wembanyama's teammate from the Mets '92. So like 13, 14, 15. Oh so I, I don't th- I don't think his value would be dramatically different. He still is all upside upside and that's not a lot he hasn't proven much at all so i I think it'd be mid mid ish first something like that for him still which is good it hasn't plummeted he's not a well the the, the problem is you've got to pay the problem is you've got to pay him i mean if you're another team that's so specifically where i asked the question just because if another team's looking at him as the chip to to go with pool then the other team's probably looking at it as well one we have to pay pool for four years and then the second part is you got to make a decision on Kaminga at some point which is why it kind of feels like and Sam has brought this up before it's like are they kind of just doing this Kaminga move kind of the reset the clock with this new CBA and really with their own tax bill all this stuff but um I mean if he's kind of in the mid first I mean that doesn't really inspire confidence uh, uh with this draft class I know the top three guys are supposedly really great but uh, you know mid first whoo that's rough I, mean, I, think, the, the, I think that speaks to the Warriors placement at 19 though as well. It's like if at 19, I don't look at the value of those players for them specifically for every team. It's different, but for them at 19, I don't think it's all that different at 
29, 30 in terms of the types of players you could target. For some teams, yeah, like you, you might not be able to get a, a Leonard Miller in the late 20s. You're not going to be able to get Leonard Miller, who is young. He's still going to be, I think, 19, 20 years old coming in as a rookie. He's a higher upside guy. Like you can't get him in the late 20s. But in terms of those more sure things, the, the older guys who can contribute on rookie deals, that's no different at, at 18, 19, 20 than it is later in the draft. I was hoping you would say Chris Murray because that's I obviously love Kiki. Those are my type of players. It feels like a Warriors type of player. Anyway. Yeah, he, he makes sense there. too. Yeah. Let, let's, let's talk about him. What, what, is, what is your read on him as a prospect? Like Obviously, he's not as good as Keegan, but like, where are you with him? I mean, first off, he's a lefty. Uh, he's different than, than, Chris, than his brother Keegan, so they're, they're twins, but uh, he's left-handed. His brother's not. Um, a little bit different in scorers. He's you know, had the ball in his hands less at Iowa than, than his brother Keegan did. So like he he's been more of somebody who kind of grew into that. He's not quite as good as a shooter, uh, at least statistically. Maybe maybe he grows more into that over the course of time. His catch and shoot numbers are much better. But like, I think for the most part, like like yes, there's differences, but they're very similar as players. And I would expect Chris Murray to to at least be able to carve out the role in the NBA. I just don't think he's as good as Keegan. And I I. I mean, he's solid. I still think he's going to need a little bit of time to get ready, whereas Keegan was a more ready right away. So I, I like him if the Warriors had multiple shots, like multiple guys to roll the dice on. But gotcha. if it's just one pick, I, I'd rather go in a different direction than Chris Murray at 19. Okay. Who, who is the pick who you would be like, oh, no, Dunleavy's going to flop? Like the worst possible <laughs> scenario for the Warriors. And it's not even about their talent. It's like, look, you're dealing with mm. a veteran team who wants to compete. Um, you're dealing with veteran players who are ornery and a veteran coach who will have their back. It, this player, who's he's too raw. You throw him in this situation, he's going to be playing in uh, you know, Serbia in three years <laughs> like, I, mean, I feel very bad about this but you know you know what i'm saying like worst case scenario sending the ross player who like maybe he'd be cultivating okc but it's not gonna work here well i don't think he'll be playing in serbia or china but the like nick, nick smith might be playing for like the wizards in three years or something like that uh like nick smith if the warriors were to draft him he's a freshman wing out of arkansas he was like getting limited minutes uh, in the NCAA tournament for Arkansas, just because he's so raw as a decision maker, as a defender, uh, I, I just think for the Warriors oh, it'd be disastrous. Fit. Yeah, oh, right. hundred percent oh, yeah. can oh. ride the bench with right next to Jordan Poole during he the playoffs. Be, he can be pissy with the rest of the teenagers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's perfect fit. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> they see it. They see it. I, I'm waiting for them. They see upside. They see genius in in there. Just needs time. <laughs> he might he might be good in four years or three years, but that's, that's, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just not ready right now, and the Warriors need to be thinking right now, right now. Who is the guys gonna that are gonna help us, and which players can they help now, and potentially turn into something like Desmond Bain? I, he comes in at twenty two years old, and he's showed that he has upside still. Yeah, I I think I think it is a little. If the war, I, I am a little fearful that the Warriors overcorrect and draft someone like a Jacob Evans, where it's like, hey, we're going to pick someone that we think can play right now, and he's just not good. And he just ends up not yeah. being good because, the, like, <laughs> like Jaime Hawkes, 
right? Like Jaime Hawkes is 22 and you know, he, he, maybe they draft him, but he's just too small. He's not athletic enough. He can't really like, that's all the stuff with Jacob Evans where it's like, you know, he might actually be really smart, but he's just too small. He can't shoot. He can't really dribble. He can't get anywhere. So like, what is this? <laughs> and he's out the, he's in Serbia in, in a couple of years. And so, I, I I have that fe- I have that fear too. Like you, you there's the draft. Too. I don't know. There's the I don't draft know. Picking, issue, but, you know. I don't know. We're picking on Serbia, by the way. And I started it. Like they're having a great run with Jokic <laughs> and and Djokovic. Yeah. Like they they really are. So I don't know why I'm picking on them. But, you know, it is one it of is. The, one of the name. This guy could actually be in Serbia. Gigi Jackson. Okay. G.G. Jackson uh, out of South Carolina. He during the season, <laughs> he he had a game where like he had limited minutes, and he went on Instagram live and started complaining about his minutes. <laughs> oh, this, this sounds this sounds like a warrior. Great. This sounds yeah, I like, know. Yeah, I think I mean, I'm seeing Kaminga and Poole would be best friends. You know, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I see you comping him to uh, the Morris twins, and I see it right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that might be too much of a compliment though. Might need to change that one. Morris twins were good, no matter who they are. Yeah, now. they they were good in the, in their in their. Part. They had some moments. All right, let, let's end it on this. Your gut feel, like we got, look, we got four days, eighteen to fifty rumor breaks from newsbreakers. Do you think the Warriors stand pat at nineteen, trade up or trade out? I think trade down, trade down. Someone's gonna do it. Like Indiana, they have 26, 29, and 32. Charlotte has 27, 34, and 39, and 41. There's no way the Hornets make four picks in that range or the Pacers make three picks in that range when they already have a lottery pick. I just think somebody somebody's going to move down for those picks so those teams can consolidate, and it's a team that has open roster spots and a ton of payroll committed to other guys and they need to have young players on rookie deals that can contribute early, and they could take some shots in that range too. To me, the Warriors just check those boxes across the board for a team that makes sense to trade down. And I just I would predict trade down for the Warriors. What are they trade getting up? in a yeah. trade down? What are they? What are they? Are they getting like a future protected? Like what? What is that? I mean, it can't be that much. Like if it's Indiana, um, you know, maybe it's or let's say it's Charlotte. You know, they have the second pick. Let's say they keep that and they go with Scoot. Or you know Brandon Miller at that pick, then they could give up maybe two or three of those four picks in that range, like twenty-seven and thirty-nine and forty-one. Oh, two like two rookies. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, maybe three, maybe three. I, I just oh, don't yeah. see how some of those teams are going to make five picks. Five picks. They already have deep rosters full of you know vet, like veterans on good contracts and young players. It's just there's just too, not enough roster spots. I mean, OKC starting to do that right now. They're, they're starting to yes move. Yeah, that's a great example. So like it might seem like a lot if you could get three of those picks in that range, um, but then like the, those teams have no choice but to make those moves. Yeah, since we're done with the Warriors portion of the draft, um, you gotta go. St- Scoot's better than Brandon Miller. Come on now. <laughs> how, come, how, how come? On. What do you like more about Scoot? I based this on I based this on nothing outside of that. Yes, and the fact that he's mentored by <laughs> Steph Curry. Uh, that's it. Which I is, haven't watched yeah, it. He saw that they were in a strategic alliance. He's like, it's my guy. Yeah, which yeah. is fair. I mean, I, I think <laughs> like like you're bet you're betting on you're betting on these players, not just as as like who what they do on the floor, but what they do on the practice court and who they are and they be, might become as men. Scoot is definitely more mature than Brandon Miller, but 
Um, I don't know, man. Six foot two, two point guard who has never proven he can shoot gets targeted on defense. Defense has good, not great passing vision. I don't know. I kind of just lean towards the six nine dude who can pass, create, shoot forty percent from three. That wasn't able to in college, but he can pull up from mid range as well. Versatile on defense, chase down blocks, take takes charges. I don't know. Like Brandon Miller might not be as mature as Scoot or have that it factor, but. I don't know. I, I just can't move off Miller as too over Scoot. I like Scoot a lot. I just yeah. don't like him as much as Miller. Hard, hard to pick a guard unless they're truly, truly, truly yeah. game-changing. Mm. I mean, yeah. how many kind of first... Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, you have Paul George, I mean, as an example, and I'm kind of sitting here like, well, Paul George is kind of like the... He is kind of like the prototypical wing. He, he might not be the the best player on a team. I mean, he he was, but it wasn't never good enough. But Paul George is a freaking good player. By the way, another good Warriors target. Another good Warriors target. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, he, that's that's a great play. I don't know. We'll see what's good. I would take Paul George number two in every draft ever. Correct. So Correct. it's just like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, that's my favorite thing about comps. Comps are always like if everything breaks right, you know, you, you think about it and like I understand it and I never get mad about him or anything like that. But it's like you look at it five years later, you're like yeah, yeah, no, Paul George is better than every player in this draft. So. Yeah, I, I think I mean, I think like the argument, I, I think the comps I have in the guide for uh, Scoot are Donovan Mitchell and Colin Sexton. And for Brandon Miller, I, I have Paul George and Danny Granger. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think you could argue that the best version of Scoot Henderson is better than the best version of Brandon Miller because of that wing guard difference. Like maybe you'd rather have Donovan Mitchell as your energizer in the postseason than you would Paul George as your non, you know, primary shot creator for the Clippers. But at the same time, like maybe not. Mitchell is still smaller. He still gets targeted. He still has his playmaking deficiencies. Paul George, maybe he just hasn't been in the right situation throughout his career. So I get I like it's so close between them. Prime PG versus Prime Mitchell. I'm taking Prime PG. That's not Prime PG is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You have Russ too. I mean I'd probably take Prime Russ. Probably two two percent worse than PG, and now it's like Richard Lewis, and then I'm taking you know you know and then and then I'm taking Donovan Mitchell. So it's like it's not like it's not that clear cut. I, I get it though. It's, it's a little rough. All right, KOC, appreciate you. We've taken too much of your time. Anything you want to plug this week? Uh, I think you probably have a few more mocks coming out. I uh, got, got, got some mocks coming out this week. Uh, that's on the Ringers uh, 2023 NBA draft guide. Got 63 plus scouting reports, mock drafts in there, team needs pages. And uh, Thursday night, the recently returned Danny Chow to the Ringer is going to be doing the, the grades that night during the, the NBA draft. So we're, we're all excited about that. Um, lots coming on the, on the draft guide this weekend on the Ringer. Uh, so it, everything can be ch- checked out there. I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, you guys.